Well, I'd also like to say Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And uh, I didn't bring gifts for everybody, but hopefully the message today will be a, a blessing, and that'll be my Valentine's gift to each of you. So last uh, Sunday, we uh, looked at praising the Lord in the good times and in the bad. And uh, the Lord allowed our family to go through a few little health issues last week, and uh, so tested us on that. And so now that I know that the Lord is going to test me on what I'm preaching, I'm going to preach on how to be very, very rich. And uh, we'll see if the Lord uh, tests me in that one this week. But uh, anyway, uh, we're actually not going to go that direction. We're going to go a different direction this morning. Um, We're going to talk about having a passionate heart for God. Um, And then tonight, I hope you you plan to come back. Uh, It's a really important message on having a protected heart for God. So this morning we'll talk about having a passionate heart for God, and then this evening again, having a protected heart for God. So uh, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 63, Psalm 63, and uh, once you find that, if you would uh, stand together, and uh, we're going to read this uh, psalm together uh, this morning to start with, and we'll talk about having a passion for the Lord. Psalm 63, we'll read all 11 verses this morning. Psalm 63, verse number 1 says this, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. While I bless thee while I live, or thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God, everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. And let's pray one more time together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love for us. And uh, we... Uh, appreciate the songs that we sung this this morning that talk about your amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? But Lord, this morning as we celebrate Valentine's Day and the whole day in our culture is wrapped up in the word love, I pray, Lord, that we would return love back to you who you are so worthy and deserving of it. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, challenge us, and uh, teach us from your word this morning. Bless our pastor, be with him, and uh, bring him back to us safely soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to begin this morning by asking this question. What are you passionate about? I know most of us would in this setting, say the Lord, and hopefully we would, and we're going to get there in a moment. But before we give that spiritual answer, what are some things that you are passionate about? 
We live in a culture where a lot of people have a various uh, array of different passions. Uh, some have passions for their hobbies, uh, sports, uh, cars. Here in Montana, hunting, fishing, boats, uh, having the coolest, biggest, best rig there is, uh, horses. Uh, and you go, we can go on and on and on with different passions that people may have. Well, uh, before we really answer the question of what we're passionate about, we should know what being passionate really means. According to Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary, being passionate means this, that you are obsessed, addicted, devoted, and committed. So I ask you again, what are you passionate about? Uh, there's, like I said, a lot of different passions. Last Sunday was the Super Bowl, and it was one of the first Super Bowls, I think, in my life that I remember not watching. Um, and I'm kind of glad for that because it did not have the outcome that I was hoping for. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but a lot of people are very passionate in America regarding sports. And they spend a lot of money. I was listening to a customer that, of mine earlier this week that said, um, for the most expensive seats there at the Super Bowl, it was $150,000 to go watch a football game. I like football, <laughs> but I do not like it that much. And even the cheap seats were like $3,500. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, that is crazy. Um, again, a lot of people are passionate about cars and, um, and fashion and technology, entertainment. Uh, some people are passionate about a person in their life. Um, I hope that if you're a spouse, that you are passionate about your spouse. Um, some people are passionate about the ministry, and I think our pastor is, is one of those men who's passionate about serving the Lord and, and reaching people for Christ. Uh, some people are, about, are passionate about their job, and uh, it's a lot better to be passionate about your job than hate your job. So uh, a lot of different passions. Some people are very passionate about money and the almighty dollar. And a lot of these passions are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. But unfortunately, it seems that we can be passionate about everything under the sun, but only a few people are actually truly passionate about the Son of God. And so this morning, I'd like to speak to you for the next few moments about having a passion from God, for God from Psalm 63. Now, I know what some of you are maybe thinking this morning. Uh, potentially, uh, we're Berean Baptist Church. Um, a passion for God. Uh, of course we have a passion for God. We are Berean Baptist Church of Helena, Montana. Um, and as I'm looking across the room today, I'm looking at people who I firmly believe do truly indeed have a passion for God. But I'm reminded of uh, a man in the Bible who also had a passion for God. He was pretty loud about his passion for God. Um, he actually had uh, one of the greatest influences uh, to ever, I'm sorry, the greatest influence to walk across this world, and that was Jesus Christ himself. His name was Peter. You see, Peter had a passion for God. And when Jesus told him, hey, Peter, uh, Satan desires to sift you as wheat and destroy your life. Peter responded, Lord, I have a passion for you. I, I'm never going to deny you. I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I'm passionate for you. 
and it will never die. It's not going to happen to me. Well, you and I both know the story about how Peter denied his Lord, not once, not twice, but three different times. And certainly if a man like Peter, who was walking shoulder to shoulder with Jesus Christ himself for three and a half years, could deny the Lord, certainly could happen to Berean Baptist Church. It could happen to you, it could happen to me. There was also, I'm reminded of a church in the book of Revelation, that Jesus addressed the church at Ephesus. And Jesus addressed them because they believed the right things and did the right things, but unfortunately, they left their first love. You see, their passion for God grew cold. And if it could happen into an entire church, it can happen to Berean Baptist Church as well. And so, this message may not be for you today, but allow this to be a, a reminder to you uh, down the road. So, this morning, how do we cultivate and maintain a true passion for God? Well, I'd like to look this morning, of course, at Psalm 63, written by David, who is considered by God himself as a man after God's own heart. Now, we all know David was not a perfect man, and David had some sin in his life, and we know that. And we, we're going to address a little bit of that tonight in the message about having a protected heart for God. But the overall theme of David's life, according to God, was that he was a man after God's own heart. And he penned this psalm here, Psalm 63, and we're going to learn tonight about how he uh, maintained and cultivated a passion for the Lord in his own life. And so I want to share with you this morning three critical steps to cultivating and maintaining a passion for God. Number one, we must make God personal in our life. We must make God personal in our life. Here's what David said in Psalm 63, O God, Thou art... And what's the next word here? It starts with... It's a two-letter word. It starts with letter M, ends with Y. What is it? My. Thou art my God. Thou art my God. You know, it, it wasn't enough for David just to say, Hey God, you are God. God desires not just to be God. He desires to be your personal God. Your, uh, to have a personal relationship with you where you allow Him to be the God of your life. Paul, when he uh, was addressing Timothy, he said to him, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So there was something that took place in, uh, in, in Timothy's life where the faith wasn't just his mom's faith anymore. It wasn't just his grandma's faith anymore. It became his faith. It became personal to him. I'm speaking to children, young people in this room, who your parents are, it's evident that they have a personal relationship with God. But there needs to come a point in your life where it becomes personal to you. Where you need to personally believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then where you need to develop that relationship and communication with the Lord, where you spend time listening to the Lord by reading His Word, and then communicating to Him through prayer. That took place in the life of Timothy, and it took place in the life of David, when he said, O oh God, Thou art 
my God. He's not just the God of your pastor. He's not just the God of your mom or your dad. He's not just the uh, God of, you know, your friends. He wants to be your God. We had a uh, program with our youth group back in uh, California when I was a youth pastor. It was a spiritual incentive program, and we put a little thing in the bulletin every week for the teenagers, and it was called the TIN program, T-I-N. What that stood for was Teens Involved Now. Teens Involved Now. And that meant uh, we were encouraging our young people to get involved in their relationship with the Lord now while they're young. I know there's a lot of young people who think, hey, I'm young, I'm just going to enjoy my young years. I'm going to do my own thing. But God is wanting us to spend time with Him now while we're young. In the days of our youth, remember now thy Creator. And so, I want to encourage you to let this transfer take place. Begin walking with Him now. Can I just remind you, He left heaven to come to earth to die on an old rugged cross for you. He did it, not only that you could be saved, but that you can have a relationship with Him. So that you can walk with Him and talk with Him along life's narrow way. And it's not for you to just know about God. You need to know Him. You know, one of my favorite hockey players to ever play the game of hockey was the man by the name of Wayne Gretzky. I know that he uh, started to play hockey when he was three years old. He started playing in the National Hockey League when he was only 19. He started with the Edmonton Oilers, and then he went and was traded in a blockbuster hockey trade to the Los Angeles Kings um, back in the late 80s, I believe, and uh, brought literally hockey to Southern California, where I grew up. And then uh, he went on to play a lot of great years with the Kings, never did win a Stanley Cup with them, though. And, uh, and then went on to finish his career with the, uh, with the New York Rangers. Well, I know a little bit about Wayne Gretzky and some of the records that he holds and all of that. But I've never met Wayne Gretzky. I don't know him personally. So I know about Wayne Gretzky, but I don't know Wayne Gretzky. A lot of us know about God. But can I ask the question, do you know God, because there is a big difference. You might have a lot of theological uh, facts in your mind about God, but do you have a personal relationship with God like David did when he said, Oh God, Thou art my God. Can you say that? If not, I hope that today will be the day that you can say that. So if we're going to cultivate and maintain this passion for God. He's got to be personal in our lives. Again, you can't just have a relationship with God through your parents. You can't have him through your pastor. And it's obvious that uh, your pastor has a relationship with God. It's very evident. And most of your parents, it's very evident. All of your parents, very evident they have a relationship with God too. But young people, do you have a relationship with God? If we're going to cultivate this relationship, we must make him personal. Secondly, in this verse, I see we must make God our priority, our priority. Again, in verse number one, in Psalm 63, David said this, O God, thou art my God. And the next word is a five-letter word, starts with a letter E. 
It's early. Early will I seek thee. Early will I seek thee. You see, David said, I'm not going to wait until the end of the day. I'm not going to wait until uh, later on. I'm going to focus on my relationship with you, God, with you, Lord, early. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 when Jesus said this. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We mentioned that last week when we talked about God's provision as a reason to give praise to the Lord. But to be reminded that we need to have him as our priority and to seek him early. Job was a man who was greatly, uh, went through some great trials with his family and with his health and with his finances. Uh, he was greatly tested. And here's what, it, here's what uh, is said about Job. Job chapter 1 verse 5. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So this was something he didn't postpone. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't put it off because there was something better to do. He allowed God to be his priority. Genesis chapter 22, when God approached Abraham about sacrificing his son Isaac. Uh, look what it says here in uh, Genesis 22 verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. God said, Now take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which, of which God had told him. In other words, he didn't delay, he didn't procrastinate, he didn't sleep in that day. He rose up early and obeyed God early. God was his priority. God was his first and top priority in his life. And you know, we have a lot of priorities that, as adults. You know, we've got a lot of different roles that we have. But friend, if you're a Christian, your number one role is a Christian. I'm a husband, I'm a father, those are extremely important roles to me. But those should never become more important than my role as a Christian. And i got to maintain that priority in my life, that my relationship with God comes first and is number one. You realize that uh, the word early is mentioned 85 times in Scripture? 85 times the word early is used. The word later is used zero times in the Bible. So that means that God is never saying, hey, why don't you just focus on me when you get around to it when there's a convenient time? No, God never says that. God says, early, seek, ye, seek me first. Now don't seek me second. The first fruits of our, income, of our income belong to the Lord, not the last fruits. He needs to become a priority in our life. David said, early will I seek thee. Jeremiah 2 and verse 32. This is a, an amazing verse. Every time I read it, 
I, uh, I shake my head. Jeremiah 2.32, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? In other words, bride on the wedding day goes to the wedding and forgets her dress at home. It's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? That's never going to happen. A bride is never going to forget her wedding dress and to get her hair done and her fingernails done and whatever else brides do that day. I've never been a bride, so I don't know. But a bride's going to prepare herself, right? A bride's not going to forget her wedding dress. And yet the rest of the verse says this. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Here's what the rest of the verse says. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. How sad. How sad. And this is, of course, a reference to the nation of Israel. Certainly we can make application in our own lives because, hey, we're, we remember to get ready for work. We remember to brush our teeth, hopefully. We remember uh, to prepare ourselves for the day ahead. But have we remembered the Lord? Or have we forgotten Him days without number? Having a passion for God means that we need to allow Him to be a priority in our life. How long has it been since you really walked with Him and talked with Him along life's narrow way? How long has it been? I think about the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter number 10. And how the priority for Martha was the service, was the feeding and preparing the food and getting everything ready in the kitchen. And yet Mary realized what the true priority was in that moment. It wasn't all the work that needed to be done. It was sitting at the feet of her Savior. And I want to encourage all of us as we go through our week this week and throughout our lives to make sure that we're sitting at the feet of our Savior before we go and prepare in the kitchen, before we go and do the preparation. Before we go do the work, to make sure that we're spending time at the feet of our Savior like Mary was. So to cultivate and maintain this passion for God, we must make Him personal. We must allow Him to be our first priority in our life. But then number three, we must make God our prize. Our prize. In verse number one again, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. Early will I seek Thee. Uh, people are seeking for all kinds of things in this world, in this life. They're seeking for more fame, more fortune, uh, more power, more influence. And David said, I'm not seeking for any of those things. I'm seeking for You, Lord. I'm seeking for You, Lord. He goes on to say, my soul thirsteth for thee. Not my soul thirsteth for being rich, for having all the money that, so I don't have to worry about my bills. That's not what David was after. He wasn't thirsting for money. And then he says, My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know, he wasn't longing for more fame, and the latest, greatest toy, and all of that, he was thirsting and hungering for the Lord. Psalm 42 and verse number 1, 
says this, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God, when I shall come and appear before God. It's interesting that, um, have, have you ever been super hungry? And I'm talking to young people who are hungry five minutes after they eat a very large meal. Because uh, I have young men in my family that that is the case. But have you ever maybe fasted for a while and every time you even see a billboard that has a hamburger on it, I mean, it just, you start salivating and you just can't stop thinking about it. Um, or maybe you have gone a long time and not consumed any water and you're starting to get very thirsty. Um, here's what David said. He said, My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Imagine being in that land, a dry, I mean, Montana's a pretty dry area compared to where we moved from. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is, and there's no water in sight, and you're desperate for that water. That's the type of seeking, that's the type of um, desire that David had for God. Uh, like somebody who's dying of thirst, who just is longing for just a little bit of water. That's how much David desired the Lord. That's how much God meant to David. Because God was David's prize. He wasn't looking for the next promotion. He wasn't looking for the next relationship. He wasn't looking for more money or the next toy. He was looking for God. That's who David's prize was. When I think about Desiring God, I think about the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter number 3, I'm going to turn over there if you'd like to join me. Philippians chapter number 3. Verse number 10. Says this, that I may know Him talking about God, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, that I may know Him. That's what Paul's goal was. Paul's desire wasn't, yes, it was to reach people for Christ. That certainly was one of his desires. But his main desire, the main thing in Paul's life was that he would know God. And that he would know the power of his resurrection. And that he would know the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And as we learn about Paul's life through historians, we realize that he got what he wanted. He did know God. He did know the power of his resurrection because he made that known to uh, the Gentile world in that day. <clears throat> then he also knew what it meant to know the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ when he himself was beheaded there in Rome. Do you want to know the Lord? Those who seek Him will find Him. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you, Jesus said.
I hope you would join the hymn writer when they said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. Why? Because he's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather be his and let him lead than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Can you say that in your life? Would you rather have him than anything this world has to offer? If the Lord ripped everything away, would you be content with just Him? That's certainly what He did to Job. And Job was truly indeed content with just the Lord. Or do you have to have popularity? Do you have to have prosperity? Or do you have to have possessions? You see, if we're going to have this passion for the Lord, we've got to have... We've got to allow Him to be the prize of our life, who we're seeking after. Again, back in Psalm 63, um, verse number 8, I love this. My soul followeth hard after Thee. Is your soul following hard after the Lord? I hope so. Let me just go back to the word early here for a moment. O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. Certainly that would, that would mean early in the day. I think we can take that as an application. I think God wants us again to early in the day before we get to our daily business to seek the Lord, uh, to spend time with Him. But I think also it means early in life. Early in life. I think about, again, young people in this room. I would encourage you while you're young to seek the Lord. While you're young to develop a relationship with Him and spend time getting to know Him. Believe it or not, as busy as you may think you are, once you become an adult, young people, then life really gets busy. Uh, When you become a mom, mom, young ladies, uh, the moment morning starts, your day doesn't stop until the very end. There's no stopping. I was telling my wife, yeah, it was a busy day today. I didn't even get a lunch today. And she's like, yeah, neither did I. (laughs) And she's a mom, and she's at home, and she gets to be a stay-at-home mom, but she's a very busy lady. And there's not a lot of time when you're an adult and you have some big responsibilities. So while you're young, while you have a little extra time, use that time early on in life to get to know the Lord. Don't wait until someday in the future when you have a family and we get your life all settled. No, start now. Start now. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. I mentioned that a moment ago. I wanted to uh, read one more verse that has to do with that. It's in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter four, uh, 34. And this is the, uh, the great... A revival there with Josiah. 
I want all the young people to, to turn over there and look at this little passage here. Josiah, in, in, in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 1, says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. How many eight-year-olds are here this morning? Would you raise your hand if you're eight? Do we have any eight-year-olds in the room? How about nine-year-olds? Okay, we have three nine-year-olds. Uh, so even a year younger than you guys are. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He became president of uh, Jerusalem. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord as an eight-year-old. And walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young. Can somebody help me with some math here? What's eight plus eight? Sixteen. Do we have any sixteen-year-olds in the room today? No, but okay, we have one. Do we have any fifteen, seventeen? Okay, we have a few of you guys here. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, early in his life, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. You see, while he was yet young, this again is not something to postpone and procrastinate and put off until uh, you know you get a job and a family and everything just works out just the way you're hoping to, and then you'll start seeking the Lord. No, seek the Lord now while you're yet young. Early will I seek thee. Early in the day, yes, but also early in life. Okay, so we know how to cultivate and maintain a passion for God by allowing Him to be personal in our lives, by allowing Him to be the priority of our life, and by allowing Him to be the prize of of our life, the one we're seeking after, the one we're chasing, the one we're uh, following hard after. But how will this affect my life? How will having a passion for God impact me and my life and you and your life? Again, back to Psalm 63. The rest of the passage gives us the impact here in our life. First of all, it will impact my schedule. Verse number one, again, early will I seek thee. I'm going to make him a priority of my daily schedule. I'm going to allow him uh, time in my schedule. I may have a lot of appointments throughout the day. I may have to work all day, whatever. I'm going to make sure that there's time for the Lord. It's going to impact my schedule. It's going to impact, number two, my eyes. (coughs) Verse number two says this, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. It's going to impact what I look at and what I don't look at. It's going to propel me to avoid things that would harm my heart, and we're going to talk more about that this evening. But it's going to encourage me to uh, look at things that would behold, allow me to behold His glory, His Word. It's going to affect my eyes. It's also going to impact my lips. Verse number three, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. And then in verse number five, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. So when I have a passion for God, it's going to become evident in the words that come out of my mouth. Remember the the words of Jesus when he said, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so when you have a passionate heart for God, it can't help but come out of your mouth. 
you're going to praise the Lord. You're going to, uh, your lips are going to praise thee. And in verse number five, your mouth shall praise the Lord with joyful lips. So of the words that have been coming out of your mouth lately, have they been joyful? Or have they been grumbling and complaining and negative? God wants us to have the joyful lips, but it's only going to happen if we have that passionate heart for Him because, again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it'll affect my schedule. It'll affect my eyes. It'll affect my lips. It'll also, number four, affect my thoughts. Verse number six, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. So when it's just you and God, no one else is in the room maybe and maybe everybody else is sleeping and you're awake and you're lying there. What are you thinking about? When you have a passionate heart for God, it's going to be about Him. It's going to be about the things of God. Or if we're thinking about things that are wrong, uh, it's an indication there that we need to work on our passionate heart for the Lord. In conclusion this morning, why should I and why should you be passionate about the Lord? Well, while there are many answers I could give you this morning, I will offer one in closing today. You and I should be passionate about Him because He was first passionate about you. He was first passionate about me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. We love Him because He first loved us. And when He was on the cross of Calvary, it wasn't because He had to. It wasn't total duty. It was love propelled Him and motivated Him to be on that cross. He loved us. And he was passionate about us. In the book of Acts, the writer of Acts, the man by the name of Luke, um, he talked about the passion of Christ. And that passion was you. And that passion was me. He loved us. And he was passionate about us, which should propel us to be passionate for him. Oh, Jesus paid it all. And when I consider that, I'm led to believe that all to him I owe. My favorite hymn of all time was written by Isaac Watts. I'd like to read it to you. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. I love this verse. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine? Oh, that were a present far too small. But love... So amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, and my all. Why should I be passionate about God? Because He was passionate about me.
How can we cultivate that and maintain that as a church and as individuals? We need to allow Him to be personal in our lives. It's not enough for Him to be somebody else's God. He needs to be your God. And young people, it's time to stop resting on the fact that He's your parents' God. He needs to become your God. And then He needs to become your priority where early in life and early in the day, you're spending time getting to know Him. And then He needs to be your prize. You're not necessarily so focused on chasing something that this world has to offer, but that you're chasing Him. That your soul is following hard after Him. If we do that, it's going to impact our schedule. It's going to impact our eyes. It's going to impact our lips. It's going to impact our thoughts. Passion for God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for having a passion for us. Thank You for being willing to die on the old rugged cross sacrifice everything so that we could spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord, that you became poor so that through your poverty we might be rich. Father, I pray that you would help us to have a passionate heart for you. Lord, I pray that you would give us a a love, a dedication, a, a commitment to you. Help us, Lord, to cultivate a a personal relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to uh, allow you to be the true priority in our life. Where of all the roles we have in this life, Christian, your child is the number one role we have. And Lord, I pray that we would seek to know you as our most important um, pursuit in this life. To know you and to spend time with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to develop this passion for you. And again, thank you for having a passion for us. In Jesus' name, amen.